Welcome back to another episode of the Capes and Tights podcast right here on capesandtights.com. I'm your host, Justin Soderberg. This week, we welcome comic book writer and journalist Ethan Sachs to the program to discuss his book, A Haunted Girl, which he co-wrote with his daughter, Naomi Sachs. This book is an unbelievable book out there in the horror genre, uh, also deals with uh, depression and suicide. So this is a great book for everybody out there and something we wanted people to know about. So I invited Ethan to talk about that. Ethan also is the creator uh, or, or writer of books like Star Wars Bounty Hunters and other Star Wars title titles over at Marvel, as well as Old Man Quill, Old Man Hawkeye, the Kiss Zombies comic books, Midnight Suns, and much more. So check out Ethan here on this episode of the podcast. But before you do, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Blue Sky, and all of those social media platforms over there, as well as rate, review, subscribe, and all that stuff over on Apple, Spotify, and all your major podcasting platforms. But this is episode with Ethan Sachs, co-writer of A Haunted Girl over Image Comics. Enjoy, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Ethan. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Where are you located? What state are you in? Uh, New York City. Oh, you're in New York City. Okay, that makes it easy. We're both here on the East Coast because I'm up in your up here in Maine, in the Great oh. White North. <laughs> um, I love I love your background. Oh, thank you very much. I work hard on that. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, all the this is a new. I just updated it recently because before I had a lot more just pieces of memorabilia, art, and stuff like that. All these comics now are actually previous guests of the podcast. Uh, uh, so it goes up. I have about, I don't know, 12-foot ceilings in here. And so now it goes oh, up wow. all the way. And so now they're just, um, if you've been a guest in the podcast, a lot of times I have. I think I've actually already ordered from uh, Golden Apple. I think you're doing a signing there of A Haunted Girl. Yes. And I yes. pre-ordered one of those from there that they're going to mail me. So you'll be on oh, the list. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Perfect, <That's> right? Cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and let's see. We're here to talk uh, comics, really. I mean, but you, you're you the first time guest on this podcast. You mentioned you don't do a, a number of them anymore or right now. And, and so for those who are listening or going to listen to this episode, can you give us a little background? We have a, a pretty unique story going into the world of writing comic books. What's your what's your origin story, per se? Yeah, my not so secret origin story uh, <laughs> was basically I. Uh, I worked at a newspaper for 20 years, the New York Daily News. And uh, my main beat was what they not so affectionately called the geek beat. I kind of fell into it because no one else at the time in the features department was was interested in the uh, nerdy stuff I was. So basically comic books, um, you know, Star Wars, horror movies, eventually Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, that kind of stuff. So it's just a really, uh, you know, fun fun stuff to to work on um and during the course of my time i got to know uh and become friends with joe casada first as editor-in-chief of marvel and later he was uh, chief creative officer and um basically towards the end of my my run uh at the daily news and newspapers were kind of struggling and uh, i was trying to figure out what i wanted to do with my life and um i did a story on may the may the for May the 4th, 2016, um, where I interviewed this actor played Greedo. And we got in a conversation over who shot first and how it depends on different generations. And he was just hilarious. He was just going on a stand-up comic routine about 
Greedo's eyes and how he's myopic. And that's why he couldn't figure out where to shoot. And, <laughs> um, so it, it kind of stuck with me. And um, I hit on this idea of, of a story about a murder investigation into Greedo and all these different witnesses giving contradictory accounts, but structured like Rashomon, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, a Kurosawa movie. And for those of you out there who don't know what I'm talking about, it is a uh, movie that's based on a Japanese novel of a murder set in feudal Japan, where all the different witness accounts are completely different. And um, so I thought it'd be funny to do that as as the Greedo investigation. So I, I ended up going to a Mets, New York Mets game with, uh, with Joe, who's a big Mets fan. And I was sitting there going, hey, just on a lark, can I send you a spec script uh, you know, if you don't like it, you can print it out and and walk your dog with it, curb your dog. <laughs> uh, but it's just a story. I can't get rid of the story. Um, and he was like, fine, whatever. Um, not very enthusiastic. <laughs> and we agreed, like, if on the off chance it was of interest to Marvel, I would just donate whatever proceeds, you know, because I was still working as a journalist at that time. Uh, long story short, I'd never written a comic book script. I reverse engineered what I liked about you know, I'd read a million of them. So reverse engineered, like what I like, the pacing, the structure, whatever. Um, I used a contact at uh, Lucasfilm to put me in touch with Pablo Hidalgo, who is, uh, you know, obviously on the uh, on the story group, what I couldn't, couldn't do with continuity. I write the script, I hit send, and I don't hear anything for weeks. So I think, okay, wow, he must really have hated it. Um I went, uh, my wife's Japanese, and so we we went to Japan to visit the in-laws. The plane lands back in New York on September 7th, 2016. I turn my phone back on and get the email that changed my life with the subject line, F Greedo. <laughs> uh, and that was from Joe. And the, basically it was like, wow, this is like, might be the best first time script I've ever read. Um, and he put me in touch with Axel Alonso. And uh, at the same time, the newspaper was offering buyouts. So I had, because I'd been there so long, got seven a package of seven months of pay so it's like if i'm gonna if i'm gonna make a leap and do a career change uh this is it so that's how mm -hmm. i got started they never ended up lucasfilm <laughs> did not uh apparently they liked the script but for whatever reason it couldn't be published so mm -hmm. uh it just goes into the into the ether but it okay. helped get my start and, and and so obviously star wars has been a big part of your 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 comic book writing career so far i mean have you been a lifelong star wars fan is that why or yeah, I mean, I'm of age where uh, I was four years old when the original movie came out. And I that's like one of my first memories. It's so, such a powerful memory. Uh, I can remember sitting in the theater, seeing the Star Destroyer go overhead and the, the fanfare blaring. And I, I'm turning and seeing my dad and I can still remember my father passed away in 95. And it's, it's so vivid. It's like he's still alive. So mm -hmm. it's like one of my earliest touchstones. And so that must be like a somewhat of a dream come true, obviously being able to write these characters on comic book pages. Yes. <laughs> yes. Every day is just, I can't believe I get to play. Again, the other the great thing about Star Wars as a franchise is unlike any other franchise uh, that I can think of, um, it is something where every piece of the puzzle fits into this larger story. So the comics actually matter in terms of continuity the books, the video games, the TV shows, the movies, even the theme parks, like they all connect. Mm -hmm. um, and so that it, it's kind of cool to be creating or co-creating characters. And then, you know, knowing that they're kind of frolicking in the same sandboxes, like, you know, Han Solo. And yes, it's pretty cool. And the cool thing is, and I see that same thing with 
is that if you create a character or co-create a character that ends up on a screen of a TV show or a movie, it's not just an adaptation of your character. A lot of times it's a continuation of the story you've already created in the comic book, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not what we see a lot in the big two now. It's some sort of version of a character. Yeah. Not that it's a bad thing, but. Yeah. I mean, it's same for, let's say, Harry Potter or James Bond or or whatever. If there's a a comic, it sort of exists separately from, you know, or in the case of Harry Potter, a novel, the movies don't necessarily interact mm-hmm. which is it's, it's a cool that. thing to see in the star wars universe and even video games even like all that stuff is in, in some sort of canon uh yeah. spot there and i think i just read was it taiko atiti just had a, com- uh, a comment that said if you wanted a movie so close to the comic books just read the comic books yeah <laughs> but but this is different i feel like in the star wars universe is that actual like i said it's continuity it's part of the story it's pretty cool but i mean you've read so you've written a i mean we were at what in November, forty issues of Bounty Hunters uh, is is dropping, which is pretty crazy run so far. Yeah, and then... I mean, I never thought it would last <laughs> this long, and I've gotten to. By the time it ends, I will have gotten to tell just about everything I I wanted to do when I was completely ignorant when I started and didn't know like how long I'd have or or anything <laughs> like that. I you know there are all these story tendrils that could have just ended up not being told. <laughs> so yes. so that's hey. kind of cool. Yeah, it's so. it's really cool and it's cool to see a, a title that doesn't have the words like you know darth vader or or some sort of major character's name in the actual title I mean, obviously the word star wars is there but to have that ability to have 40 issues of a run go so far that like i said doesn't have that immediate draw of attention of someone's name attached to it that that can pull it in which is pretty cool yeah and no, i mean it also gives a tremendous amount of freedom mm-hmm. uh because I'm not as beholden to what happens in Return of the Jedi for most of these characters. You know, like, mm-hmm. like obviously I can't kill Boskov because he's <laughs> visible for a fraction of a second in Return of the Jedi, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, other than that, I have a, a lot of free reign. Which is pretty cool. I mean, so you've done these big two. You've done, obviously, you've done uh, Old Man Quill, Old Man Hawkeye, things like that. You've you've worked on uh, Midnight Suns recently and stuff. But now you're, you've now ventured into a more creator-owned uh, our creator-driven comic book with the haunted girl. How did that? Was this been a story you've been working on for a while? But how did this come about? How did how did haunted girl come about? Well, it's the most personal thing I've ever done, mm-hmm. and basically the backstory uh, is um, for about more than four years ago, about four and a half years ago now. Uh, my daughter battles depression, mm-hmm. and we like everything came to a head, and she was hospitalized for uh, suicidal ideation, and. Um, you know, we as parents were completely like caught off guard and like our whole lives changed basically. And I remember I was actually writing um, an issue of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in the hospital cafeteria waiting between visiting hours to go up and see her in the uh, in the uh, pediatric uh, psychiatric ward where she was where she was staying for a few weeks. And I, I was so distracted, but I had a deadline. So I was like sending it in and I had this idea like you know, I, I felt all the guilt that you would feel as a parent in that situation. Like, how did I miss warning signs and all this kind of stuff? And I was like, I need to channel something positive. Like, what if I write a story for her to try to, um, you know, try to inspire her and maybe inspire others to just keep fighting and and keep, you know, wanting to or, or finding the will to live. And um, I wrote down just a line on on uh, in a note reporter's notepad and it was it was uh something the effect of the fate of all life on earth uh rests with a girl who doesn't know if she wants to live 
And that ended up becoming like, I didn't really have a plot or anything. And I, I just kept working on it. Um, and fast forward four and a half years later, my daughter's in a much better place. And I asked her if she would write this story with me. And so it's, uh, the result is very, is a teenage girl who's just fresh out of the hospital, who basically finds out that she's, um, the only person that can stop this supernatural apocalypse. And she has to sort of find, because to save everyone she loves, she kind of has to save herself, you know what I mean? And, and sort of find the will to, to fight this very scary situation, both, you know, inner demons and outer demons, if you will. Um, and we teamed up with the American foundation for suicide prevention. They, you know, did sensitivity reading and they provided a resource guide in the back of the, of every issue. Um, so like, you know, this is hopefully a cool story, but on top of that, it's, it's a, it's a mission statement for us. Um, so yeah, the first issue drops October 11th. It's from yeah. Syzygy Publishing, which is a, uh, um, an imprint of Image Comics. Uh, so we're pretty excited. That is exciting. And, and that the sad part is that I, during the, the advanced copy PDF that they send doesn't have that stuff at the back of it. So I didn't know that that's pretty good information to have is that there's that information at the back of the comic. Uh, for everybody to read as well. Uh, yeah, I think when it was sent that we're still putting that all together. I okay. just also really want to shout out because there's a third uh, creator besides my daughter and I, and that is artist Marco Lorenzana, who has been, uh, I've worked with a couple of times, including my very first eight page Marvel story. And uh, on my, on our very first creator owned project together, this uh, flip book called Intrusion, which came out about two years ago. Um, it's kind of a horror flip book. And, um, you know, he's been since day one, basically doing the sketches and, and, you know, essentially we're working together for four years to get this onto the runway to, to take off. So he is as much a part of this as my daughter and I. Yes. And, and so, and obviously that's, was there basically like, you're going to work with Marco no matter what, this was the decision to make, like, that's the artist you wanted. Yeah. I mean, uh, in fact, like. I think it took a while to find a publisher as well. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons why they were like, his art is a little too, like if you're going after teenagers, um, his art might be like a little scary. Like maybe mm -hmm. you should do like more of a manga type thing. And I was like, I, I envision this like a PG 13 horror movie, like mm -hmm. lean like, into the horror. Like it's, you know, maybe not an R rated grisly blood splattering all over the place kind of horror, but more of like that sort of very kind of scary, creepy PG-13 horror. And um, I wanted it to look like that. And so mm -hmm. he definitely delivered that. Um, so that was, I. it was never a question of like going another route for art for me, mm -hmm. you know, even though we had to to sort of wait to find the, the publisher that really got it. Yeah, it makes sense. And obviously I'm guessing an October release was a, was a planned thing uh, with, the, with the horror aspect of it. I mean, actually, we were rushing to to get it <laughs> done in time. I mean, the the October was definitely the horror. You know, uh, I live in New York. New York Comic Con is here, yeah. so like, it's kind of hoping that it would be out uh, around then. Uh, Marco's coming to New York Comic Con, so it'd be like the only time the three he lives in Mexico, and um, the only time the three creators are in the same place at the same time. You know, so there are all these reasons. Uh, you know, and then you know because of the heart, like. People ask me why horror to yeah. deliver this story about. And like the reason is, is that's what it feels like to go through it. Mm. You know, it feels terrifying. And I wanted it to be cathartic. Um, you know, and Naomi, you know, Naomi definitely 
kind of grab that mission statement. And, um, you know, it wanted to feel like, like it feels in real life, but have that layer of fantastical plot. So it's kind of a little bit of protection. Um, and, you know, also I want people who may not be going through this to be able mm -hmm. to appreciate the story and kind of, you know, go along, go along for the ride. Yeah. And is it, was this a time where you sat down with Naomi and, and wrote things together? Did she bring ideas to you? How did that collaboration process work? Yeah. I mean, I approached her about a year ago now. Um, and by the time we signed the contract, it was like early December when she was in um, off for her winter break or school mm -hmm. winter break. Uh, Cause she's in college now. Mm -hmm. And uh, we sat down and, you know, she had no free time. <laughs> we basically like just, broke down an outline, you know, scene by scene. Um, and then most of what we did was by zoom and shared Google docs. Um, we, you know, at first I, I spent a lot of time, like for the first issue, breaking down everything. So like panel descriptions for the artists, you know, and writing most of it, leaving the dialogue for her. And I left two pages for her, for the therapy scene for her to do from scratch so she could see how it's done. And then as we progressed issue two, issue three, she ended up doing more and more of that. Um, so she does like every line of dialogue from teenagers, from the therapist, um, you know, the therapy, the hospital scene, like like all the stuff that she brings knowledge of that mm -hmm. I don't have. You know, I, I joke that like, had I just done this by myself, I kind of feel like the teenagers would have sounded like, you know, the Steve Buscemi meme, <laughs> like, How's it going, fellow kids? Um, you know, so I kind of feel like uh, in many ways, you know, like the original plot was sort of my idea way back when, uh, but it's changed a lot from her input. And then she's very much embodied the, you know, the teenagers and the, you know, the sort of the mental health aspect of mm -hmm. it. I mean, this is a difficult subject to obviously touch on, but it must be like, so amazing to be able to work alongside your daughter like this. Yeah, I know it is. And I was a little worried going in for several reasons. Like number one, you know, uh, I didn't know if it's going to be triggering for her or, you know, what it's going to be like when you Google your, your name and that's what mm -hmm. comes up. And so like, if you were, you know, if it was sort of a secret from some people or whatever, it's gone now. Like once you do it, there's no putting that genie back in the bottle. So, um, or closing the lid on Pandora's box, whatever the analogy is. Uh, so I was worried about that. I was worried about how she would take um, criticism, like if you get a bad review or uh, or if there are things like she wrote and I'd be like, we can't do that, you know, because I was like a tie went to me just because like I'm in charge of the getting the pages to, you know, to image and, and all this kind of stuff. So like I uh, I'm responsible for that. So, uh, I was worried about all those things, but you know, so far she's been, she's taken to it really well and seems to really enjoy it. That's awesome. Did you think that that it's something Naomi would want to do going further is write more comics or do you think this is just like a special thing? For I'm sure time? she got bitten by the bug a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, she's in college now she's studying something like completely different, like related <laughs> to environmental, uh, yeah. like activism basically is, is like what she's studying. So, uh, I, I don't know. Um, but you know, the, the truth about comics is you usually have to have a side job anyway, yeah. like, unless you, you know, achieve that sort of 1% strata of success. 
so, you know, in my case, I do some journalism on the side and, uh, um, you know, I work on multiple comics. So if she's yeah. going to go that route, it doesn't hurt to have a day job. <laughs> yes, exactly. So say most people, it's one of those things that, you know, if you're some sort of environmental scientist, you could do that on the weekends or at night or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> Not having she's to worry about writing. So, you know, yeah. she's always sort of done that for herself. So uh, who knows? That's cool. And, and, and doing a creator to own... the door right now. Exactly. Like... <laughs> and doing a creator own thing like like a, a haunted girl gives you a little bit more freedom to do what you want uh, as yourself, Ethan, as a writer. Is this something you'd like to do more of uh, even on your own? Creator own, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm working on something that's so long, like it's so long gestating that I have no idea exactly when it's and then I'm pitching something else. So, you know, I, I would love I think the secret to success in this business um, in terms of satisfaction with what you're doing is a combination of getting to play with this, you know, great work for higher IPs that, you know, I, I'm just starting uh, with DC comics as well. And so like getting to write these fantastic characters and then uh, have your own thing on the side where you can really, you know, there's, there's not, nothing really holding you back kind of thing. So mm -hmm. I, just a balance uh the you know the sort of i think george clooney called it like the one for you one for me kind of balance uh i love that mm -hmm. uh, but they're both for me because like i mean writing star wars yeah i was just gonna figure back i was just saying like this it's like as a journalist uh you know you you go into writing like uh, the, the the geek beat if you want yeah. like they call it is you're a fan of it that's why you're writing it it's very hard to write something uh journalistically if you're not something, it's not something you don't know well, at least. And, and so being able to write Star Wars and, and even things like Old Man Quill and Old Man, you know, Old Man Hawkeye, these are characters you're probably fans of. So being able to write that must be like a dream come true. And then on top of be able to do your own stuff as well. So like, yeah, the one for you, one for me thing, I can understand. Yeah. Or really, one for me, one for me, but just from different, you know. Yes, different point of view. Yes, exactly. <laughs> different directions or whatever. Different, different directions, yeah, exactly. But you also, you mentioned, obviously, Marco uh, being a part of this this project as, as equally as you you and Naomi, but um, your cover, uh, Joe Casada did a, a cover for you. Um, it, was this just like one of those things that you really wanted him to do for you? Uh, so he that was a gift. He literally gifted it to me. Um, and he believes in what we're trying to do. Uh, he's, like I said, he's he's one of my best friends and he uh uh there was a time and i think like one of the without going into too much detail like one of the uh key sort of leaps of progress that my daughter made involved a trip to um uh, to yellowstone do like basically like camping with this environmental like high school science project thing and we were really worried because there's no phones like she couldn't use her phone there she wasn't allowed to so we're like what happens if she has you know like some sort of panic attack in the in the wilderness with this like you know and and it would take us so long to get there and so uh coincidentally joe was was staying with his family not like on a world map not too far away so i ended up spending like 11 days like just intruding on his summer basically <laughs> um but uh they welcomed me you know and they were there uh at, at really crucial times in our lives and so um it, it like i can't say enough about the guy and, and so he was like well how can i help here and i was like well you know a casada <laughs> cover would be kind of cool <laughs> so he made the time to make one um uh fico Asio did also gifted yeah. his cover which was the uh, other variant 
I, you know, I, I really wanted, uh, to, like the variants were really important to me. You know, I, I basically, uh, there's a, essentially like a fourth one, which is a walking dead variant for, for the mm. first month, which is awesome. Uh, this guy, Jeff Edwards is amazing. And we have a manga one with Ryusei Yamada, but like going forward two, three and four, we have like three covers per month. And like, mm. I have some just incredible talent, like Jessica Fong and mm-hmm. uh, Ian Gist. And like, it's just like some really incredible talents. Uh, like, and it, it just, it looks good. <laughs> if nothing else, hopefully you like what's inside the cover, but you cannot go wrong with those covers. No, it's a beautifully designed book too. The logo is uh, beautiful as well. It draws your attention in. I think like I said, the Casada cover is beautiful, but all of the covers are absolutely stunning and they all portray the same feel, but they look different. And it's, it's one of those ones. This is definitely a book that if someone's a variant person, like definitely a book that you'd want to collect all covers. <laughs> this is one of those yeah. ones you want to tell your LCS, you know, I want all of them because they're all beautiful, uh, beautifully done. And we were, and Chris Ryle, who's the uh, publisher of Syzygy and like the believer in this project that made this happen and like took us in, um, you know, he was also very adamant about not overloading with variant covers because mm-hmm. like, you know, sometimes as, as retailers and fans, like you, you know, you're like, oh God, you know, how many am I expected to get kind of thing? So it was like, all right, can you please give me three per month and mm-hmm. I will make them beautiful. You know, I will, I will get the best artists I can, but just please give me three a month. And so that was the, that was the compromise. <laughs> yeah, there can be, I mean, we've, I've had a discussion with my local comic book shop owner about there's certain publishers out there that like you go to look at their, you know, advanced previews like of, of everything that's coming out and there's one that has like letter triple f uh yeah. covers i'm like oh gosh like, that's definitely not one of those ones where you're like and then it's not even like you want to collect them all it's it's more along the lines of which one do you want and it's so hard to just pick one and then yeah. i end up being like a person who loves cover a because cover a is seems like the one that the entire creative team really wanted to be their number one cover and so yeah. i always want that cover but then there's always like Oh, this cover's cool. And then I ended up buying two copies of the same, I mean, which is good for you. I mean, that's more sales, but yeah, still, yeah. it still gets to a point when there's too many, it gets too overwhelming. Yeah. Which you can do if it's like a number one Marvel, you know, yes. or DC thing, but you know, Haunted Girl, most people haven't heard of. So, uh, you know, and I, I, we also wanted them to be different. Like, you know, there's always one that's kind of a little bit more manga or fun. And then yeah. there's one that's like very much a very horror cover. And there was one that's a little bit more esoteric. So like I, you know, as an example for the second one, I have Paolo Villanelli. I sent him the, the, you know, the script and an outline. And he's like, you have a zombie deer. I want to draw a zombie deer. So yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> so he has this big, uh, like decomposing zombie deer head on, on his cover. And Jessica Fong has this, you know, the, the, that's the B cover and the A cover yeah. is like Jessica Fong, um, which is a gorgeous cover of this, uh, you know, haunted girl basically this uh you know uh upset looking you know teenage girl and these zombies coming down from above it's pretty, yeah. pretty cool and the uh was it cover a of, of issue three two almost looks like a like a 1980s horror film which is kind of mm. cool yeah. With, uh, yeah the hands reaching up from the bottom and things like that too yeah they're all beautiful and they're all they all portray a different i guess a different feel but or a different style but a different same feel of what you're expecting to, to read within the pages. That's the hope. The I don't series. want to fool anybody like yeah. what the, you know, what's inside. So, yeah. you know, that was. No, it works. It works. Direction. It works well. I think that the, 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 the array of, of covers works really well for this book. And, and, and it's, and it's a four issue miniseries. Am I correct with that? 
core issue. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I know it's a bit of a spoiler, but like we, because of the subject matter, we wanted to have like a definitive empowering ending and cathartic ending and not like, you know, sort of delay it longer. What we did is we ended up uh, sort of packing more story per issue. Like I think the first two issues are 26 pages. I think the third is 28 and, I, and the fourth maybe 30, like we're between 28 and 30. So, uh, um, you know, we wanted, so it's like you get, I guess, you know, bang for your buck, but you, you know, we wanted to have, have the full complete story in, in that kind of space. Yeah. It makes sense. I've, I've talked many times on the podcast with other people about like mini series to me are, are just, I'm, I'm happy with them now. And if it's one of those things, obviously this subject is a little different uh, and this story is a little different, but like if you were to create another four issue mini series that might have, Oh, we could do a second four issue mini series. That's just a continuation, but it's the same. It's a different volume, and those kind of things I'm, I'm okay with. But this does make sense. That I like. I'm a big floppy, floppy copy, yeah, purchaser. Like I like collecting single issues. Um, but this also probably could have worked as some sort of OGN too. So was there a reason? Was there was it always going to be a single issue uh, comic from the beginning? We, you know, while we were flirting with other publishers, there was a scenario where it would be a longer graphic novel. Um, but I think there's several reasons. Like the way I saw it was it'll eventually be collected in a trade paperback and we'll find a whole other audience in bookstores. So we're trying to reach as many people as possible who might be you know, uplifted by this. Um, so I was like, if we have both the sort of the comic store crowd and then later, you know, the bookstore crowd, maybe slightly more manga centric or whatever, um, I think it like, would make sense you know and you know the image model i'm pouring a lot of savings into this so like you know i have to sort of think about that as well and mm -hmm. so you know if you do a graphic novel you just release it once essentially and so this way we're essentially releasing it twice yes. um so there was that factor too but yeah you know and i i'm a comic book store guy mm -hmm. like i love my um i had i had two uh local comic stores one unfortunately uh just closed down um jh uh -huh. comics uh in manhattan um uh so that particular store so uh but i i love going and talking comics to somebody and you know browsing and just seeing all the cool you know issues i haven't heard of you know here's a number one of a yeah. you know a hoi comic series that i hadn't heard of and it looks cool and so i'll check it out kind of thing and so i I wanted to be part of that as well. Yeah. And, and then also, like you mentioned, we just already mentioned the variant covers. Variant covers aren't really a thing when you have it as an OGN uh, from the beginning. Yeah. Variant covers really only really exist in the single issue market, uh, which is pretty cool. You get to add that to it too. So, I mean, from beginning to end now, are you excited for this to now drop and get into people's hands? Are you nervous? What's the feel now coming into the- uh, A little bit of both. Yeah. Um I'm doing all I can to, to get the word out. Like we're doing some pretty yeah. cool press, uh, the next like week or two. And then I, after New York comic-con, I hit the, we're doing, uh, our first signing at forbidden planet in New York, uh, with all three creators there. And then I'm hitting the road. Uh, I think it's two countries, seven States, um, 11 stores or something like that. So uh it's yeah it's uh you know uh i'm i'm doing all i can to help get the word out uh and i hope people like it so i am nervous <laughs> you know uh but 
I, also, it's like it's been four four years since yeah. since it was a line in a reporter's notepad. So, like mm-hmm. the chance to see it like come to fruition is just incredible. Uh, yeah, and I'm excited I'm excited for people to read it because it is like I said, it's a, it's a unique story, um, but also one of those ones that if you're into a specific or in that nowadays with the horror kind of style comic books are pretty you know prevalent and pretty popular uh that it would fall in that genre not to say you shouldn't care about the the other underlying story in it but like even if there wasn't something that draw you in for the first place uh this is something that anybody who likes a horror style or some sort of uh darker comic book would be able to read uh and and, and understand and, and enjoy um but also if you're just there for the story naomi's uh portion of the story um, then you can also pick it up for that too. So I think it has a multifaceted, and I think it's one of those ones that people will just pick up uh, to give it a shot. Plus, plus, I mean, you got your all your Star Wars fans, right? <laughs> yeah, I hope they they come along. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you uh, are you wrapping up your run with Star as bounty hunters? Do you know if the finite end of it, or are you? No, I know still- I know where the ending was. I mean, it was always like a fixed space that we could work in because mm. it's set between like the, yeah. this was a great moment in time for the comics because we could interact like the the four sort of flagship books and uh you know uh, all the crossover events and uh miniseries that spun out of it so you know basically um you know Alyssa Wong Greg Puck uh Charles Soule um and uh Mark Guggenheim and I like we were really lucky to uh have all our comics set in the exact same time period between empire and return of the Jedi. But at the same time, there's like a year of story between those two movies. So it could not go on forever. Uh, So yeah, there is an ending in sight. Um, I've know how the series ends. Um, And I was lucky to get to that point because Mm -hmm. it was, you know, but we still have more story. Uh, out there so yeah you won't feel the effects of it <laughs> too too soon i mean you mentioned about how you you writing for star wars is a, is a pretty cool dream come true in a sense that i mean your name next to those names you just named off yeah. in the same category of those writers is pretty cool too i would think <laughs> it, it's fantastic and the best part of them like they're they're friends you know like we've been yeah. working together for more than four years and um they like you know, you look at take Charles as a yeah. as an example. I mean, he is somebody who's quarterback to all these crossovers, but is very collaborative. So it's like, hey, in this bigger event, like, what do you want to have? Like, what's Valance's role? Like, what would you like to do? And like, he'll fit it in. And like, he's very collaborative. Uh, they all are. You know, those zooms, those weekly zooms are just so much fun. Um, and you know, all the wisdom that they've accumulated mm-hmm. all over the, over the years, like they share, you know, um, and it isn't just them. It's like, you know, uh, of course the editors mm-hmm. led by, uh, Mark Benicia and like the artists, uh, you know, I got to work with Paolo for like 30 issues, I think, uh, which is an amazing run for a writer and artist to be paired together. Mm-hmm. Like that just doesn't happen anymore. So like, I think the series was so much better for that. Uh, and then there's all these other writers like, uh, you know, Daniel Older and Kevin Scott and Justine Ireland, who are just so generous too. like they're It's just, man, it's just a fun place to place to work. It, it, it does seem like I've talked to Daniel before, Daniel Older and, and uh, Charles and I've actually mm-hmm. had Mark Guggenheim on as well. And just the, the, they all, none of them's, it's not one of them who was like, I don't really want to talk about the Star Wars part of this because I don't like it. Like everyone seems like 
they're just happy and, and excited to work in the Star Wars world. Uh, yeah. And so everyone reverts what, to whatever age they were when they first yes. started. And they uh, want this this Star Wars universe to be the best it possibly can. So it would yeah. kind of stupid for them to hold on to all their information and knowledge and whatever. They want, you know, Ethan's story to work just as well as Mark's. You know, they want them all to yeah. work well because they want this to succeed and continue. So uh, it's just a cool time we live in as a Star Wars fan. Uh, it, it, you know, it's, uh, I was at uh, the last uh, few celebrations and mm-hmm. the one in Anaheim uh, last year, a kid approached me and he's like, you know, Mr. Sachs, can I show you something? And I, he was seventh grade, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he showed me, his mother was there and they showed me on his phone for his school project. He loved the bounty hunter so much that he shot a movie and the costumes were so good. <laughs> so he, I think he was Cad Bane. Um mm-hmm. And his father was Valance, and his grandfather was Bosk. <laughs> his mother was was Zuckus. But the costumes were so elaborate, and they were somewhere in the wilderness, <laughs> like the snow-covered wilderness. And they were, you know, and I was like, my God, like, you know, my comic-inspired mm-hmm. creative uh, movie that was probably a better story than anything I could have come up with. <laughs> um, you know, judge, judging by the production value. Um <laughs> You know, and uh, that was kind of cool. And, yeah. you know, he said he got a good grade on it. So, you know, props to that teacher for encouraging his creativity. That was That's awesome to hear. And that's one of those cool things now with conventions and things and, and, and stuff that you get to see this. Like I've talked to multiple creators who was like, it's insane to see that I draw something. And my iteration of drawing this character is what someone dressed up as a character for or something like New York Comic Con or San Diego or Celebration. Uh, it's just weird to see that someone would like it that much that they're willing to spend time, energy and money to make this costume or make a project for school yeah. uh, where most of us and I, me for for example in school phoned all that stuff in so for him to be that excited about doing this kind of project to do that much work on it, it's pretty cool to hear yeah. uh, and pretty cool to see i mean that's yeah. always like uh, yeah. i was never the, the top student but there were the classes where they encouraged that man i just dove yeah. right in you know if i got to write a creative writing project mm-hmm. like that was that's how my brain, you know, went where my brain went. So yeah, kind of feel like if you can encourage that, that that is absolutely the way to do it. Like you know, reading should. I mean, learning shouldn't just be like reading a hundred pages and regurgitating it in a in a homework. You know, right. it should be fun and engage their brains. You know. In comics, as a thing, when I was younger, I wasn't a very good. Per- I couldn't read books very well, and so I read comics and that's what got me into reading. And now, I mean, I, I read a book a month, at least an uh, actual note prose, like novel. And so it comic books have got me as a better reader. So that's awesome to hear kids are still reading comic books because I want them to, and hopefully it helps them turn into a better. Reader. I have a weird experience because I did a, uh, a few nonfiction uh, journalism um, books for AWA studios, yeah. uh, one called uh, COVID Chronicles, one called Climate Crisis Chronicles. Uh, that they also ran on NBC News, where I where I still freelance uh, very, very part-time. Anyway, collected and trade paperbacks. And my old high school uh, got bought like 70 of them and are using them as a textbook for a class called Writing to Make Change. And so I'm going to go in October to like, uh, you know, give a give a talk about this book in my old high school. So it's just, That's- it is very weird. Um, that's awesome i'd love to do that because i'd love to go in there and be like told you guys i'd make it geez you guys all didn't believe in me no that's the only reason i do i'd be like oh yeah i'm here to teach too oops yeah 
Yeah. That's, that's, and I was not like the star student. Let's just say that. Um, so that was kind of, it's kind of, kind of cool. That's cool. That's really cool. I mean, and then you guess it, and now you get, I guess I'm a, I have a two year old. I'm expecting another baby girl in March. All right. A baby girl in March. I have a two year old son and a baby girl. I'm coming in March. So as a father, I'm excited to see, thank you. See what my son turns into and and has passions for in all likelihood. My son's going to hate comic books altogether, but that's just the way it is. But the idea that you got to co-write and and co-author a book alongside your daughter uh, is just something that I was touched on because as being a father and I think the story behind it and, and, and the, the attention you're giving, uh, you know, depression and, and anxiety and suicidal um, thoughts and, and tendencies, the, all that stuff is great to hear. And I'm excited to see it coming out October 11th. Actually, this is actually the day that this episode drops. So when people oh. are driving to car, they on the, you know, when you're driving to work and you're listening to this episode in your car, make sure you, you know, get to work, call your LCS, say, save me a copy. And then also pre-order and get your order in for November 15th is when issue two comes out. Correct. Uh, yeah. I don't off the top of my head know when FOC is for that, but it will no. be closing in around, yes. around that time. So, yeah. So please. Uh, and also we just ask if you know someone who uh, likes comics and maybe could, could use that, that messaging, um, you know, please let them know that this exists. Mm-hmm. Um I kind of envision them listening to this podcast, you know, driving the car and then suddenly turning like, like Robert De Niro and heat, you know, (laughs) got to get to the comic store. So I mean, that's all I was hoping that people listen to this podcast on their way to work and not like when they're going to the bathroom or something like that. But that's, (laughs) that's, that's just hoping here that someone listens on the way to work. No, but uh, that, and then also uh, issue 40 of bounty hunters hits November 22nd. Um, from over there at Marvel. So make yeah. sure you keep continue reading Bounty Hunters and all those Star Wars comics. And then grab everything else you've got out there. I'm sure there's trades and, and, and back issues. Also, I wanted to touch on that, on the the FOC thing. Even if you go into your LCS and they you look at the shelves, like, hey, do you have that new Haunted Girl book? And there's none on the shelves. Let, your, let the clerk know uh that you want it because it's possible they still can get it so don't don't feel like you walk into a store uh it's one of the misconceptions that i always had when i was uh first getting into comics that i walk in the store they were sold out of the comic but that they weren't able to get the comic anymore like that's all they had uh that's not Mm -hmm. the case in in a lot of a lot of cases i mean hopefully it sells out at distribution level immediately that's that's for your benefit um but and maybe we'll go into second printing if that happens but the idea nice. that if you tell your your clerk, they can always try to get in. Usually it's a week or two later, you can actually get the book in. Uh, or, or if you can't get it, your one LCS, try the other one or so on and so forth. Because um, the books are available. Like I said, some like my LCS is a very small LCS in Bangor, Maine. And he only orders five or six copies of a book because of how small he is. And if one takes off, then he runs out of those books. But a lot of times he can order more in for you. Uh, yeah. And so- and, and- there's nothing wrong with second printing. It's like for yes. us, it's less about the dollars and more about the eyeballs, you know? Yes. <laughs> so um, the other thing I want to say is like, it would be criminal for me uh, to not mention uh, Andre Mosa, who's the colorist and Jaime Martinez, who's the letterer, because, you know, I always have uh, Marco, Naomi and I are the creators. So I always sort of start there, but uh, you know, it's, it's like a, a great band or a great rhythm section for a band, you know, like the band doesn't sound as good without the bass and the drums. And mm-hmm. so uh, they are an incredible rhythm section. So Andre yes. was my yes. old man Hawkeye. Uh, oh, really? Colorist and old man Quill, the beginning of old man Quill. Yeah. So uh, uh, I, he was a person I reached out to like just, <laughs> 
and that's that's the downside to something like your your advanced preview people either for your lunar or via uh, you know diamonds and stuff like that a lot of times they don't have that information on there which is kind of sad to people because i feel like they're just as much of a yeah, integral part also, they're not the creators but they're just enough an integral part to get this comic book made so it also gets a little sketchy too because it's like as the creators we have to sort of keep the names a little separate from everyone else just just for like you know the i don't know if it's legal or whatever yeah. reasons like just as the creators sort of have to keep mm -hmm. our name on top of the thing but we made sure except for that cover a on that first one because of space i think everyone else has all five of the of the names on there we were, yes. we were very you know and uh credit to chris ryle who uh who's aware of these things always you know he's yes. a great publisher and editor you know it's like i said it, but you know yeah you have a great team on that i'm excited for people to actually get it it's one of those things that, that the benefit of being uh you know a pod having a podcast and doing advanced reviews is getting an advanced copy of it so i get to read it eventually but the other downside is that I read it and I'm like, now I want everybody else to read it. Let's go, people. <laughs> so <laughs> we're only a little over a week away for people from recording this. So the day this drops, you can go to your LCS and grab it. And uh, I'm also, you know, buy it on digital if you have to buy it digitally, too. That's another option for people out there, um, you know. Get people to want it and like it. And hopefully it'll go into second printing, which would be really cool. But um, Ethan, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk. Um, you know, give our best and and thank Naomi because it's such a great book and I'm glad that she had an input on it and loving it uh, as well. And uh, I'm, I'm glad she's doing well as well. That's a, that's a, that's an awesome thing to hear. And uh, yeah, grab the book. I'm, I'm really excited to, for people to read it. Thanks a lot, Ethan, for coming on and talking to us. Hey, thanks again for having me. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate your support. Thank you very much. Have a good one. You too.